Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And we are here today to discuss a very important and timely topic, the war in the Ukraine. Many of us have been watching the war in Ukraine in bewilderment, shock, sadness, and concern. Many of us have been praying for brothers and sisters uh, who are suffering in the Ukraine. To help us better understand this conflict and how we can pray, Kristen and I have invited a two-time Beeson graduate who was born during the time of the Soviet Union and was raised in Moldova. He and his wife have been running a ministry to Eastern Europe since 2004. So he does know a lot more than the rest of us about what's going on on the ground these days in the Ukraine. And we're deeply grateful to him for giving us time today so that all of us can pray and support our friends uh, more adequately. Kristen, would you please tell our listeners a little bit more about today's guest? Yes, thank you, Doug, and hello, everyone. Today on the show, we have Oleg Turlak. He is a two-time Beeson graduate, as Doug has just said, um, having graduated uh, with his MDiv in 1999 and his DMIN degree in 2006. He is the founding president of Turlak Mission, which aids victims of persecution and human trafficking in former republics of the Soviet Union torn apart by ethnic conflicts and civil war providing them resources needed to live a quality life of faith and witness to Jesus Christ. He is an ordained Baptist minister, and Oleg is married to Natasha, and they live in Canada. So welcome to the BSIM podcast, Oleg. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. Well, let us begin um, just learning more about yourself, specifically where you are from, your connection to Ukraine and Russia, and then what brought you to the United States and eventually to Beeson Divinity School? Uh, I was born in the Soviet Union, or as it's known, uh, Soviet Russia, the Red Empire, a communist country in uh, 1970s. And uh, I come from the background of the persecuted church. Um, in my family, uh, we have a wonderful heritage of uh, faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Uh, all, of, all of us, the four generations, are Baptists. And uh, my great-grandfather and uh, my grandfather served prison sentences for uh, their belief in uh, Jesus Christ. So I was born... Uh, into a Christian family, but in a communist uh, country. So that my, makes my background uh, very, very interesting. Now, so the Soviet Union was a huge, uh, huge empire, huge country, which incorporated both Ukraine, Moldova, uh, Belarus, and 12 uh, other uh, republics. So obviously Ukraine was one of them. And uh, living in the Soviet Union, we didn't consider all of these 15 total different republics as separate entities. We were called Soviet citizens. On my birth certificate, I have the words USSR. So we were known as Soviets, or many referred to us as Russians. 
even to Ukrainians, Belarusians, Moldovans, Chechens, and 80 other different uh, people groups. They all were called Russians. Although Russia, Soviet Russia or the Soviet Union was uh, very, very uh, diverse. To give you just an idea of how interconnected people were in the Soviet Union, let me say this, my background is Bulgarian. My ancestors ran away from the Ottoman Turks and settled in what is now southern Ukraine. In 1961, because of persecution, because the church in the little town where they served was destroyed, they had to move to Moldova just uh, to survive somehow. And I was born in Moldova. Okay, so my grandparents, both sets, were born in Ukraine. I was born in Moldova. Now, because it was a part of the Soviet Union, we were all taught Russian in school. So my first language is Russian. Okay. Now, the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991. And so I became a citizen of Moldova. And now I live in Canada. And I pastor a Russian-speaking church in the very heart of Toronto. So who am I? In a way, I'm a citizen of the world. And this kind of will help explain to our listeners how interconnected uh, Ukraine, Russia, Moldova, and other little, little republics were in the, in the uh, Soviet Union. Now, when I just graduated from the high school, the Soviet Union collapsed. And uh, back then, the very first Baptist seminary in Russia was started in Moscow. So I became part of the very first class of that very first Russian Baptist seminary. After studying for four years, some professors from Georgetown, Kentucky took interest in me. And I ended up going to Georgetown College for my undergraduate degree. And then ended up at Beeson Divinity School because of uh, Dr. and Mrs. Quartz and the uh, generosity of Mr. Beeson. Uh, because of this, I was able uh, to get full scholarship and do my MDiv and uh, later uh, Demir Beeson, for which I am very grateful. What an amazing story of uh, God's providential care in your own life. Uh, my goodness, you, you do have an interesting uh, identity and story, Oleg. It occurs to me that not all of our listeners understand completely the historical background to the war that's going on today in the Ukraine. And I wonder, could you take just a few minutes and help us out? What is it historically that ties the Ukraine to Russia? And why is President Putin invading the Ukraine now? Well, Ukraine and Russia were part of uh, the same empire for a while. And then the Ukraine and Russia were the two founding republics of the Soviet Union in uh, 1922, along with Belarus. So for nearly 70 years, Ukraine and Russia uh, were very close. And uh, Ukrainians and Russians are very connected at this point because in the Soviet Union, people migrated from territory to territory. Also, it was a policy of Moscow to mix the population. The Russian um, the rulers like Stalin, Khrushchev, and others, they wanted to create a Soviet identity or so-called a Soviet man. And in order to do that, they moved different people groups from one territory to another. So even today, you can find many families where the husband would be Russian and the wife would be Ukrainian. 
we sometimes say that half of the population of Moscow, you know, has Ukrainian endings of their last names. Likewise, there are many Russian-speaking people that live in the Ukraine, especially in the eastern part. And so this is what makes this conflict very painful. It's like a family conflict in a way, because we can't quite figure out where our Russian identity ends and where Ukrainian identity begins, because we were born in one uh, huge country. Now, to help understand why this uh, invasion is happening, it uh, helps to know that Russia is still governed by the generation that was raised, educated, and grew up under the USSR. So that generation to which uh, Vladimir Putin and uh, people, uh, the other people in power, they belong to the generation that still considers Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Moldova as one country. They have never really considered Ukraine to be independent. Now, because the collapse of the Soviet Union happened so rapidly in 1991, no one could have predicted it, no one could have prevented it. And in the mind of Putin and other politicians, it seemed like, you know, this was a temporary thing. And Russia, all Russians always had in mind that one day Ukraine, Belarus, and other republic, republics will come back into, into the fold. Now, Russia has an imperial mentality, okay? And without Ukraine, Russia can't be an empire. And Russia always wanted to uh, have an influence in the Black Sea Basin, in the Balkans. And so in a way, in a way, historically speaking, this conflict was uh, unavoidable. Since Vladimir Putin has that so old Soviet mentality, and you know, according to his own words, uh, he considers the collapse of the Soviet Union to be a greatest tragedy, the, the greatest tragedy of the 20th century. Apparently, his motives are to restore the Soviet Union or to create the Eurasian Union in some form or fashion. And I guess that's one of his pursuits. And it's, an, it's evident in his support of Belarus, Okay, and the current regime there, and his goals in the, in, in the Ukraine. You know, since uh, Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus were the founders of the Soviet Union, they are the core nations. And so if you bring back Ukraine into the fold, there you go. You have uh, the empire or the core of the empire restored. I mentioned, Oleg, about your ministry when I introduced you. I wonder if you can tell us more about this ministry, the ways in which you have seen God move and work in Ukraine and Moldova and that area of the world um, since 2004. And then finally, how is your ministry changing or adapting to the current conflict? Uh, our ministry was born in uh, 2004, right after my graduation from Beeson Divinity School with a doctorate. And actually, you know, those years were very formative for me and for my wife, uh, Natasha. It was at Samford, at Beeson, uh, while studying there that we received the vision of going back to Moldova and starting anti-trafficking ministry among women. You know that since the collapse of the Soviet Union, that huge uh, empire disintegrated, and that created a tremendous economic calamity. 
And human trafficking became one of the most pressing problems in that part of the world. More than 100,000 women have been trafficked out of Moldova since 1990 for prostitution, for slave trade, for organ harvesting. And the same happened to Ukraine and Russia. And so while at Beeson and while serving on staff of the Global Center, assisting the director there, reading books and communicating with Dr. Mark Elliott, who was the director at that time, we kind of received the vision and the calling of going back and starting this important ministry. So after returning back to Moldova, we established a safe house for women victims of trafficking, and we started a preventive ministry. We established several tailoring shops where teenage girls and young women could study uh, sewing and uh, alterations, uh, receive a profession, and this way, you know, that would prevent them to going from going into trafficking. That would create economic means for them to make an income. And of course, you know, this ministry had a Christian component. We witnessed about Christ. All of the instructors that provided training for those young women were Christians, and a number of them came uh, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're also involved in helping the persecuted church in, in Central Asia. You know, that after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the stands, as we call them, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, uh, began to tilt toward Islam. And quite a few missionaries came to those territories from Islamic countries, which created a situation when Christian churches, the, those uh, believers that accepted Christ in the 90s as a result of missionary activities from Americans and South Koreans, they began to experience persecution. And so we are assisting those churches, supporting pastors, training young church leaders. And for 10 years, I was involved in teaching at the Bible College in uh, Moldova. And in the uh, decade in which I taught there, uh, we graduated close to a thousand students that are serving now all over the former Soviet Union, including uh, Ukraine, which is uh, dear to our hearts at this time. And and always, uh, always was. And uh, we have seen, you know, tremendous work of God during all these years preceding uh, to the war. Many students, uh, many of my students became pastors, church planters, uh, evangelists, missionaries. Uh, many uh, female students became uh, social workers, and the ministry expanded greatly. It was like a multiplication. There was a time when American Christians invested in me. They brought me to Beeson, and after going back to Moldova, I trained many young people. And so now we see in those countries students of my students who have accepted Christ and who are now starting uh, churches and uh, helping people uh, in uh, in difficult times. What are you hearing, Dr. Turlock, from friends who are near the war these days about what's going on? And how can our listeners be praying better for brothers and sisters there and supporting them in their suffering? Uh, the war always brings uh, devastation. It brings grief. And we hear worrisome reports from Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, which has been surrounded by uh, Russian forces. And let me mention this, you know, even with all the historical reasoning that I've mentioned, you know, there is no justification for war. Human lives are being lost at, at this hour. 
and uh, there is no justification for any imperial ambitions of Russia. Quite a few cities are surrounded, uh, Kiev I mentioned, then I think the battle is raging right now for the city of Mykolaiv. And different regions of Ukraine are now experiencing Russian attacks, attacks, maybe with the exception of Western Ukraine, closer to the border with Poland, where many Ukrainian Christians run away from the uh, war zones. So we have those Christians that stayed in those cities that were uh, were surrounded, and we hear wonderful stories from there. Christians encourage other people who fear war, who are in bomb shelters, who hid uh, themselves in the subway stations. They sing, they share the scripture, they share what they have, food, water, and most importantly, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, people's hearts are very open to accepting Christ at the time of uh, distress. When people have no hope at all, God is the only hope. And um, texts from from the book of Psalms uh, being read that you know we find refuge under His wings. And uh, Ukrainians before the war had the largest number of Baptists in the whole Europe. I think the number even surpassed the uh, Baptist Union of Great Britain. And you add. Pentecostal Christians, you add independent Christians, and Ukraine had the largest number of Christians out of the former Soviet Union, uh, several thousand Baptist churches. So Ukraine was uh, had a tremendous influence upon Russia and other countries by sending missionaries even to Russia, to Siberia and other regions. And, you know, in a way, because so many Ukrainians are now leaving the country, trying to find refuge in Moldova, Poland, uh, Romania, and other countries, that migration, in a way, can become the source of Christian mission. Because as Christians move to other countries, as they move to Western Europe, which now experiences a sort of, you know, a crisis, uh, you see empty churches in Great Britain, in Western Europe, and Ukrainians will be able to very revitalize uh, some of that. We now know of Ukrainian communities, church communities established in Italy, in Portugal. And in a way, you know, migration is becoming a mission and a, a way of spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. That's a good word. Oleg, I know that there are many people um, listening who are concerned, as you are, about just the outcome of this war. How specifically can Christians in the States pray for this conflict, for the people in Ukraine, also for people in Russia? What are some specific ways people can pray? I pray for peace. Ukrainian land uh, needs peace that the war would stop. We really need God's intervention because according to what we know, you know, Ukraine, our Ukrainian army is not a match for Russian army. But Ukrainians are motivated. They're defending, you know, their homeland, they're defending their own homes. And so um, this is why the fight is still ranging. You know, everyone expected for the fight to be over. But in some form or fashion, we need God's interference and we need, we just need to ask him to put the end of the war. Because with every new hour lives, um, uh, with every new hour lives are being uh, lost. We need to pray that God would give wisdom to those in power. 
you know, for any negotiations to have a result, they, they would have to, you know, get rid of the, this of a part of, it, of their human pride. There needs to be um, uh, a compromise found. And so far, there is no compromise. We need to pray for God to send them a sense of humility and a sense of understanding that it's not them who are controlling the destiny of history, that it is uh, God who has the power um, over them. We also need to remember in prayer uh, the Russians, because not all Russians are supporting the war. There are many Russians who are vocal and are against the war. And uh, Russia and Russian Christians will, pro- will most likely experience very tough times in the near future with all the sanctions, with all the limitations, with all the restrictions that were in place even before uh, the war started. You know, the Russian church now doesn't have complete freedom as it had in in the 90s. Our brothers and sisters will experience uh, suffering. And there are many ministries that have been started in Russia. So there is a big concern of how we'll continue to support those. So we need to pray for Russia and we need to pray for reconciliation between Russians and Ukrainians. So that, you know, this seed of hatred wouldn't be sown for the generations ahead. Russians and Ukrainians are both Slavic people. They can understand languages of each other. We need to pray for healing in the families because there are some ruptures in families where some relatives support Russia and some relatives support the Ukrainian cause. We need healing even there. I've heard of a few cases of divorces now because of this this situation. So we need healing Uh, on the level of countries, and we need uh, healing on the level of families. And most importantly, we need uh, to pray for peace in human hearts, because if God gives peace into human hearts, then many problems can be solved. solved. It starts with the human heart always. Many of us want to be praying for you too, Oleg, and for the ministries of the Turlock Mission in the republics of the former Soviet Union. How can we be praying in a special way for you and your ministry in days ahead? I'm grateful that together with many uh, American Christians, we joined hands and we're providing help for refugees, for Ukrainian refugees that are now flooding Moldova. They're pouring to Moldova, more than 100,000 of them, and into other countries as well. We're also helping helping Ukrainians in West Ukraine, those that moved there. The Baptist leadership is now located in the Western Ukraine. Hundreds of thousands of bottles of water, hundreds of pounds of food, uh, clothing, medicine are being provided because of generosity of American Christians. And we help, we help coordinating these efforts. We have our people on the ground that are meeting the refugees, that are giving them help, getting them oriented, helping with them with, with documents. Pray that God would uh, give us strength, you know, because we don't know how long this military campaign will last. We pray for peace, but it may last longer than we expect. Pray for endurance because there are more refugees coming with each new day. There is a shortage of bed, space, bed spaces uh, in Moldova and other countries. And um, just pray that God would give us uh, wisdom of how to impart all the resources 
and to uh, serve the needs of the people that are in the, in distress. And you know, besides the meeting people's physical needs, the most important thing is meeting their spiritual needs. Many are broken, many are hopeless. And so pray that God would use this very difficult time to turn many people uh, to him. For those who want to find more information or to reach out to you, how can they find Turlock Mission or uh, connect with you? Uh, they can go to the web page of Worldwide Word. Uh, since we're based in Canada, uh, in, in America, we're represented by Worldwide Word. So uh, just Google that and uh, you can help. You can uh, make a donation. Uh, just mark Ukraine aid at the designated ministry place. And uh, your donation will go to help uh, Ukrainian refugees and all the needs in that part of the world. Thank you. We'll put a link to it um, in our show notes. Um, we always like to end, Oleg, uh, by hearing what the Lord has been teaching you or doing in your life, uh, what he's been doing in your life. And even at such a time of uh, great need and concern, um, I'm sure that the Lord has still been teaching you and speaking to you. So what has the Lord been um, sharing with you recently that you could share with us? In a way, I'm always amazed of uh, the unexpected ways in which the Lord is using me. Of course. Uh, Historically speaking, uh, we could have predicted that something like this could have happened, but no one really believed it 100% that this day and age, the war would break out in the uh, heart of Europe. But Lord is teaching us that uh, we shouldn't rely on our plans, on our visions for the future. Everything can change, unfortunately. But God is in control even in the midst of all the uh, chaos. And uh, just following his plans, being ready to be used by him in any function that he determines, uh, that he plans uh, for us. You know, you can have like a plan for ministry for the next five or 10 years, but this situation teaches us that, you know, in an instant, it can change. And just being flexible, being responsive to uh, God's call to God's voice is the uh, biggest thing that I've carried out of all this situation. You have been listening to Dr. Oleg Turlock. He is the founding president of the Turlock Mission, which aids victims of persecution and human trafficking in former republics of the Soviet Union. We are pleased to say he's a two-time alumnus of Beeson Divinity School. We are profoundly grateful to you in this very busy season, Dr. Turlock, for giving us some time today and helping our listeners. We're grateful to you and for your ministry. Pray that God will bless it. And listeners, uh, we love you. We ask you to pray for Oleg in particular and for brothers and sisters in Christ suffering uh, in the Ukraine right now. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Thank you.